Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of the week we read back some messages from the mailbag, supplied to us by our loyal mailbot, Carney, here. Uh, right at the top of today's episode, I wanted to feature a correction by our listener, Dory, and usually if a correction comes in, we try to put that near the top. Uh, Dorian's response was in reference to the odometer episode where I did indeed, uh, do, do a major, a geometrical screw up. So Dorian pointed out that it's in the part of, uh, the episode where I'm discussing the, uh, odometer described by Vitruvius. And I, for some reason, I said that the formula for the circumference of a circle is pi r squared. That is not correct. That is actually for the area of a circle. Uh, circumference is 2 pi r. Though, as a weird coincidence, since we were talking about a wheel specifically with the radius of 2, of 2 feet, uh, the different formulas gave the exact same answer in this one case, which is 12.56. So, thank you, Dorian, for pointing that out. Always appreciate people letting us know if a mistake like that gets through. Uh, and I did, I did listen back. There was a way to, to snip that little reference out of uh, the episode. So, so, the episode should be corrected now. Oh. 
All right, this next one comes to us from Ben. Hey guys, someone else may have already mentioned this, but it occurred to me that one factor in the accuracy of the bematists who measured distances by counting paces would have been the inclines in a route to be measured as one's pace length would naturally shorten when walking up or down a steep incline. Perhaps they took this into account and counted uphill or downhill paces separately? Anyways, a fascinating episode. Thanks, Ben. I did not think about that at all. Uh, but yeah, that's a very good point. Now, this is referencing the the idea of Alexander the Great's bimatists and other bimatists from the ancient world, people who were said to measure distances by pacing. Uh, there was some suggestion that because they came, they came up with uh, distance measurements between milestones or, or cities that are actually quite accurate, uh, even as measured today, there was some suggestion that maybe some of these people actually used an odometer or some type of machine that we don't know about. And that's possible. It's possible they just were able to keep an accurate count of paces for some reason. Uh, I guess we don't really know. But yeah, this is one thing that would certainly affect pacing that would, I think, not affect a mechanical odometer is the the incline that you're walking up or down. Hmm. I guess, and that would be a problem even if they were to say, and this is ridiculous, of course, if they were to uh, use some twine to tie their ankles together and always do <laughs> maximum stride. Oh, well, now that's a good point. But I guess when you're going up or down, a lot of times the distance between your feet is not... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, the twine thing is a good idea. I didn't think about that. If you want to oh. regularize your pace, <laughs> yeah. But then what do you do if wild animal attacks or... Um, or the enemy shows up to uh, assault the caravan. It's like, oh, sorry, measurement dudes. Uh, your best defense is just to fall over at this point. I mean, even then, I think if you're like stepping up or down uh, on, on an incline, that might make a difference. Though if it's like, I don't know, if you're talking about trying to like, I don't know, scramble up or down over rocks or something, that would also be something mm -hmm. that a wheeled odometer couldn't really go over, right? Right. All right, I think maybe we should mention some responses to the episodes on paragraphs. Now, one of the things we talked about in that episode was we asked listeners to send in their favorite examples of paragraphs or favorite opening paragraphs from literature, uh, I guess with an eye toward selections that are not just a chunk of text that you like, but one where the paragraph boundaries, like the actual placement of the line breaks, feel like especially strong or significant choices. And I thought one great submission came from our listener, Anna. Anna begins by uh, selecting the book Jane Eyre, great choice, and giving some background on its themes and composition. I'm going to pick up uh, a couple of paragraphs in here. Anna writes, The book was very popular, but there was also a fair bit of criticism from people who did not like the fact that there was a story about a girl who had her own mind and spoke up for herself. Charlotte Bronte, who was writing under the name Currer Bell, hit back at critics in the preface to her second edition, quote, I mean the timorous or carping few who doubt the tendency of such books as Jane Eyre, in whose eyes whatever is unusual is wrong. She goes on to say that conventionality is not morality, self-righteousness is not religion. Those are pretty strong words, especially considering it was hard to get a book published in those days. The fact that the book had a second edition within a year uh, of its first publishing is a testament to its popularity. Anyway, I could go on and on about how much I like this book, but instead I will reproduce my favorite paragraph. 
uh, and note that this is going to be a scene between the protagonist, Jane, and her her brooding, forbidden love interest, her employer, Mr. Rochester. Uh, now, on to the quote, which begins first with a line of dialogue and then a separate second paragraph. Yeah, this is Mr. Rochester speaking. You examine me, Miss Eyre, said he. Do you think me handsome? And then line break. I should, if I had deliberated, have replied to this question by something conventionally vague and polite, but the answer somehow slipped from my tongue before I was aware. No, sir. (laughs) Uh, Anna goes on, This is so relatable, and I really think you could put a scene like this in a modern movie, and people would think it was great. I think this would be a good quote to put on the back of the book to give readers a feeling for what the book is like. One of the things about Jane is that she speaks the truth, even when it gets her in trouble. Something we now call speaking truth to power. It's also an indication of the relationship between Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester. She never knows where she sits with Mr. Rochester. Is he trying to be funny? Is he rude and vain? Does she reply, no, sir, because she actually thinks he is not handsome or because it is such a rude question to ask? You have to keep reading to find out. It's the sort of paragraph that you read and you immediately have to know what happens next. Thanks, Anna. Uh, Anna, I agree. I really like that as a paragraph. It is a wonderful little compact unit. I have never, I don't think I've ever read Jane Eyre or or if I did, I did it for school and forgot all of it. Um I don't think I've seen any of the movies, so I'm, I'm having to like glance real quick and see like, okay, well, who played uh, Mr. Rochester in movie adaptations? Uh, Looks like William Hurt played him once. Uh, Mr. Rochester is one of the the famous so-called Byronic heroes. You know, mm. he's like a Jane is obviously drawn to him, but he's also, you know, he he's not just like straightforwardly uh, uh, handsome and lovely in every way. He's like brooding and dark, and he has terrible secrets. And he, in fact, in many ways, could be considered quite a bad person. But also, he's in some way irresistible. Hmm. Looks like Fassbender played him in an adaptation. Yeah, I don't know if the idea of a spoiler for a book as old as Jane Eyre really comes into play but uh spoiler alert he i mean you do find out that he essentially uh uh has he he already has a wife and she has gone mad and he is keeping her trapped in the the attic of his house uh oh god meanwhile he's he's pursuing this relationship with jane it also looks like kieran hines played him in a in an adaptation which also makes sense another kind of like mm. uh guy you know british actor with intense eyes that's really good at playing dark characters anyway but i digress Let's see. Now we got notes from a number, at least two, maybe three listeners, all suggesting the same opening paragraph as a favorite <laughs> of theirs. Uh, Rob, do you want to pick one of these to read? Sure, sure. Let's see. Um, let's see. Yeah, we heard from uh, Anders on this. We heard from uh, Jeff on this. Um, those are at least two of them. Let's see. Uh, yeah, they both had good points to make. Um, <clears throat> well, I'll start with Anders here. Hi, longtime listener, first time writer. I just listened to the paragraph part one episode, and my all time favorite opener came to mind. I'm sure it's a favorite for many since it's quite famous. It's from Stephen King's The Gunslinger, the first book in his seven book series, and I still distinctly remember reading it for the first time some 20 years ago. For me, it both set the tone and, in a way, captures exactly the plot of the book. And also, it's just a really cool line. Here goes Quote, The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. 
my guess is you'll get other emails for the same entry. Either way, I always enjoy your stuff. Keep up the good work. Greetings from Denmark. Uh, and then Jeff also wrote in, and I'm just going to read part of what Jeff said about this. He says, uh, we learn the protagonist, antagonist, and setting all in one line. Um, and uh, he also has this to say, thanks for the podcast. My new favorite Friday tradition is watching that week's Weird House Cinema movie if I can find it streaming anywhere. Oh, well, that that's sweet. And uh, yes, we, we heard from, I think, more even more than, uh, than these two about uh, that opening line from The Gunslinger, which is indeed, yeah, a great line. I, I definitely remember this being a line that captivated me as a young reader. And I've been, I've been meaning to reread at least just The Gunslinger at some point, because I think King went back and, 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 um, and did an edit pass through it and sort of brought it up to speed with the later books at some point. And I don't think I've read that version of it. I think I've only read the older version of it. So I'm kind of interesting to see how, how things are stitched together. Not that I remember all the details from the first time, but I remember really loving that book, uh, again, as a young reader in like junior high. Hmm. And then, of course, I read all the other ones as they came out over the years. Uh, so, my, yeah, my, my reading of the Dark Tower series, like I guess uh, most people's or a lot of people's, it's, yeah, it's spread across the decades. I actually do not know the Dark Tower series. I, I think I started reading the first book one time a long time ago, and I liked it, but I didn't finish it. That's all. Mm, it, it's interesting. You know, I saw a meme to this uh, effect recently about people bouncing on the first book. And sort of like, um, I think it's like the illustration is somebody digging a tunnel and they're almost to the gold or the diamonds or something, uh, mm-hmm. implying that the first book is kind of a slog, but then the rest of the series is the, the, is the reward. And uh, I don't know, I, 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 it, you know, there are, all, there are many reasons to, to bounce off of a particular book, to, to stop reading it, to set it down, or to, to give up on it, etc. So, you know, you can't really find one rule for anything like this, but I remember at least as a younger reader, really digging the first one, maybe finding the second one a bit more of a slog just because a lot of it's in the real world and, and is a little more uh, less set in the fantasy, but then returns to the fantasy and mm. so forth. Uh, and then being like all in on three. I don't know. I I'm not going to go book by book, but uh, I feel like <laughs> it, it, my, my engagement level goes up or down depending on which book it is in the series. But and in general, I was, I was always on board for the, the saga. And once you've spent enough time with it in your head, you're, you're kind of locked in. I see. I feel like it's one of those things I'll, I'll get around to one day. Oh, yeah. It's not going anywhere. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. Astapro and go. 
Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, uh, next message about uh, favorite paragraphs from books is from D. D says, Hey there, just listen to this episode. Lots of fun, especially considering how I fell down the pill crow research rabbit hole uh, about a month ago. On the topic of memorable paragraphs, your discussion made me think immediately of Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse mm. Five, in which this happened. And uh, to provide some context, I. Th- um, 
I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty sure this comes in the scene where the newly arrived allied POWs, they, they get to the new camp and they eat a bunch of rich soup uh, after having eaten, I think, nothing for a long time, uh, mm. and it makes them sick. And uh, so the, the the book goes, and I'll note where the paragraph breaks are, an American near Billy wailed that he had excreted everything but his brains. Moments later, he said, there they go, there they go. He meant his brains. Paragraph break. That was I. That was me. That was the author of this book. Break. Billy reeled away from his vision of hell. He passed three Englishmen who were watching the uh, excrement festival from a distance. They were catatonic with disgust. Uh, And then D goes on. I see this as one paragraph, but the middle sentence rips you so hard out of the narrative that it is deserving of a single line paragraph all its own. Thanks for the great podcast. I'm off to listen to part two now. Cheers, D. Uh, D, I agree. Ever since I read that book for the first time, that moment has stuck in my brain. I think of it often. Huh. Yeah. Um, I, I hadn't really thought about this this bit from it as much. Um I guess I, I tend to come back to some of the uh, the other moments. There's a lot to stick in in a, a young reader's head in Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, there's a there's, there's a lot of of interesting and kind of uh, at times I guess provocative content in there. Um, but of course, it's a it's a great novel, and it does. I can't remember if this is actually the opening line of the book or if it's just the opening line of one of the early chapters. But of course, it has that line: "Listen, Billy Pilgrim has come unstuck in time." Um, or or Billy Pilgrim has become unstuck in time, something to that effect. But um, that, that's a great great line as well. I mean, that instantly tells you, whoa, something has happened here. What's what's happened to Billy Pilgrim? And even the name, I, I guess that's a, an interesting thing. Like sometimes just having a, um, a an insightful name for your character uh, that also adds to the flavor. Like Billy Pilgrim, uh, you know, that's. Um, kind of ties into the idea, you know, some of the, the flavor of the children's crusade and so forth. Mm, yeah. I'm sure Vonnegut junkies out there have a, have a lot to say about it. I, um, uh, um, but it's been so long since I've read it or really given it much thought. All right. Uh, Rob, I'm going to read this very short message from Alvaro. Um, and then maybe we'll move on to some weird house cinema. So, uh, Alvaro, right. Uh, writes in, with uh, subject line, single paragraph novel. We were talking about those. Uh, And Alvaro says, Greetings, I was listening to your paragraph episode, and I remembered a novella that consists of a single paragraph. It's called Nocturno de Chile by Roberto Bolaño. It's pretty good, though not an easy read, as all of Bolaño's books are. Uh, Now, that was the whole message, but I looked this up, uh, and to add to this... I think the idea of this novella being a single paragraph makes a lot of sense when you consider the contents of the book. This is the first sentence in English translation. I am dying now, but I still have many things to say. The story is actually presented as a kind of transcript of a night-long deathbed confession by a deeply morally compromised Jesuit priest who ends up getting involved with uh, like rich people and political power players, and somehow uh, eventually serves as a nighttime tutor for the Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet, and uh, so so anyway, the the 
form the book takes is like a meandering, rambling divulgence of everything this old man can think of to say before he dies. So a single paragraph somehow makes a lot of sense to me as a stylistic choice. Like, I think the whole point is that the story is not organized, but a stream of consciousness rambling as a man thinks back on uh, through like the, the process of the moral corruption of his life. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I could see where this, uh, this style would fit the, this premise. All right, we also have some Weird House uh, messages here. This one comes to us from L. L writes, oh my goodness, you finally watched Return to Oz. Yay, I'm so jealous. I too would like to have the experience of being rolled over by the film for the first time. I first saw it as an unassuming child, so I just sort of took the film in stride with all the other weirdness of television and film produced for children, uh, though it be insane or dark or what have you. As a child, I felt all the same emotions, the fear, the awe, etc., at the points you described in your Weird House episode. I marveled at the visual and creative beauty of the world imagined into being by the artist, though I did not consider the creators behind the scenes at all uh, at the time. The only difference in response would be my take on the Wheelers. Though I knew they were the bad guys and did root for the good guys in the fight scene, I absolutely loved them. I got a huge kick out of them and they're wildly over-the-top acting. You know, it is wildly over-the-top. One of my favorite parts was when Dorothy and Belina are tra uh, were trapped in the locked room before discovering TikTok. Dorothy asserts that they have done nothing wrong, and the lead wheeler says in this grand accusatory fashion, isn't that a stolen lunch pail? And that is that a chicken in there with you? The absurdity <laughs> of the accusation always made me laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah, because so Dorothy has a lunch pail that she picks off of the lunch pail tree. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess she didn't know who that lunch pail tree belongs to. Um, but, yeah, the other thing is like, and you've got contraband in there. That's a chicken. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the chickens and especially chicken eggs are um, a, a great threat to the Gnome King, as we learn later in the film. Yeah. Yeah. We have no idea why at this point it would be a problem for her to have a chicken. Uh, L continues here, uh, to close, I need all of the people responsible for making this film to reunite and produce a slew of Oz films using material from Baum's many other books. I confess I haven't read more than two, but as a child, I was very much aware of the others because my brother loved them and read them all. Thanks for the great content. Sorry for sending you mail twice in one week. All topics are more interesting when hashed out and discussed by YouTube. There is something about getting to yeah, experience a movie like this as a child. Um, and then also I have found getting to re-experience movies like this, viewing them with a child. Um, it's been great fun to re-explore older films that uh, of this nature with my son and in the, the case of, of uh, Return to Oz, see something like this for the first time and mm -hmm. get, to, get to view it through his eyes. So sometimes it backfires on me and he's not interested in a movie. Like I keep saying, hey, how about, how about the black hole? Is it time to watch the black hole? And he just, he, he does not care. I can't get him into it. I'm like, look, it's got cute robots. It's got Anthony Perkins. <laughs> what, <laughs> what could, what's, what's possibly wrong with this? And, and he's like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. What, you're trying to sell him on it based on Anthony Perkins? <laughs> no, no, not really. I, I, oh, okay. I focus on the robots and the space. See, and I'm like, look, and I'm like, it's on Disney Plus. You, you know, there's a good chance you're going to like it. But uh, he's, he's, I can't, can't get him uh, interested. 
for that this this really funny image is possessing my brain now like the idea of somebody trying to get their like you know their their child to watch a movie be, oh, because it's got Dan Hedaya in it you know like. <laughs> well i th- i think that kind of that does say something about the film and maybe how miscalibrated it is like you look at the actors in the black hole and it's got a number of great actors in it what um uh, I'm not going to list them all. Maybe we'll talk about it someday. But it's got a great cast. Uh-huh. But it's not necessarily cast members that are going to appeal to 10-year-olds. They're not going to look at this cast and be like, yeah, what are these interesting middle-aged <laughs> people up to uh, in space? That, that's to get the parents in. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, should I do this one from Richard? Yeah, let's hear from Richard. Okay, Richard says, I love your regular science history episodes. You're a great team. You've held my attention with some subjects that uh, that would have bored me in lesser hands. Kudos. I love obscure oddball films, so I greatly enjoy Weird House Cinema. You frequently note that such films are released with different cuts, different names, etc. Have you ever considered devoting an episode to this phenomenon? You could easily do 90 minutes on the how and why of that. It's got a pretty rich history from indie productions to blockbusters. Here's one I don't know if you're aware of. I'm one of the very few people who saw Hands of Steel in a theater <laughs> years ago. Remember that's the uh yeah. the the Italian Terminator ripoff that we that we watched. Yep, yep. John Saxon is in that one. Um also uh, George Eastman has a has a small role. It Claudio has a Simonetti soundtrack. Film arm wrestling in Arizona. scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really fun. Richard goes on, uh, so uh, the movie ended before the DVD version that you reviewed. In the theatrical release, the protagonist reveals that his head is full of circuitry, then delivers the line, Paco Querac doesn't exist. Maybe he never did. And then the music swells and the credits roll. The end. It was a memorable <laughs> ending to an otherwise forgettable film. Anyway, keep up the good work. Sincerely, Richard. Huh. Uh, well, you know, I don't clearly remember everything that happened at the end of the film. I I could be wrong about this, but I vaguely recall it having a kind of voiceover about how, like, love can defeat evil or something after a scene where he blows up John Saxon in a factory. Oh, and there's also something about the age of the cyborg had begun or something, yes. some uh, frozen yes. text on the screen. Yeah. Uh, this is interesting. Now, I don't, I don't think we, we know where Richard was seen, had viewed this film. So that's mm-hmm. one thing we always have to take into account is that these films had different releases and different cuts in different um, markets, uh, depending on you know, who was releasing them. And then it's, the content was cut for various reasons. Like th- just because this one's fresh on my mind, Conquest, the Lucio Fulci movie that we, uh, we discussed um, in the last couple of weeks, like that's one where I think some initial releases of it had cut down on some of the violence and also some of the oozing sores <laughs> that <laughs> make up the, the, uh, a large chunk of the later portion of the film. Uh, so you have little things like that. And then, yeah, then you have alternate cuts occurring for various reasons it's uh it is an interesting topic it's always something that's um that's of note when considering films but i don't remember uh, reading about uh, a different ending for hand of hands of steel when we were discussing it so that's that's cool all right well on that note we're going to reach the ending of this podcast episode uh, as always write in we'd love to hear from you about 
about this episode of Listener Mail, about uh, past episodes of Weird House Cinema and Stuff to Blow Your Mind, as well as future episodes. Just a reminder that our core episodes publish on Tuesdays and Thursdays in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed. We have Listener Mail on Mondays. Uh, We have Artifact or Monster Fact on Wednesdays. And on Fridays, we do Weird House Cinema. That's our time to set aside most serious concerns and just talk about a strange film. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other to suggest a topic for the future or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stuff to blow your mind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.